Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Shane McGowan has uh, a new book out called uh, The Eternal Buzz and the Crack of Gold and in this like so many of his artistic endeavors, he's been supported by his partner Victoria Mary Clark who herself is an artist, designer and writer and that's not to mention the angels. Mary, good afternoon. Yeah, Victoria, good afternoon to you. Good uh, afternoon, Sean. It's nice, it's nice to meet you. Is the crab alive or dead? The crab is alive at the moment. Is it going to be boiled? I, I know apparently it's going to be put in an oven. In an Steamed, oven? yeah. Oh dear. Could it not be like released into the wild? It could, but that sort of defeats the, the point of it, really. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, he, he wants to sell it in his restaurant for people to eat. Oh, no. Yeah. That sounds bad, doesn't it? Well, for the crab, certainly. Yes. I, I don't really eat crabs, so I, you know, I, 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 don't, wanna, I don't, don't want to judge people who do. No, no, of course not. Okay, would you no. judge? Are you a vegetarian? No, I'm not a vegetarian. No, no, but I just feel sad for the crab. But, you know. Yeah, if you think about it, the thing is, like, I don't like food that's looking at you yeah. because, you know, there's judgment there. Yes, you know, that yes. kind of a thing. Yes. Uh, I, I want it to not look like what it used to be. I know? would hate to have to kill something to eat it. Would you kill something? Uh, you see, we all say we would I mean, apart ki- from a plant. Yeah, but like if we were desperate enough, probably any of us would be capable of killing something. I don't something. know. It'd be interesting to find out. Uh, it would be, but then it might change your perception of yourself. Yeah. That you might think, oh God, I am a killer. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. But then maybe we all, you know, maybe in some sort of Lord of the Fly situation in the future, we could all end up just killing things for food. If, you know, it's 18 degrees odd today out. So there's your climate change. So maybe in 20 years time, we'll be running around killing things. Hmm. Okay, I'll, let's change the subject. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be in a wheelchair uh, with, a, with a bow and arrow trying to kill things as well. <clears throat> Tell us about the angels. When did you, when did you first become... That's a nicer subject. That's a much nicer subject. <laughs> when, when did you first become aware of this? Um, gosh, it's probably about 30 years ago. I know I don't look that old, but it could well be yeah. 30 years ago. Yeah. And and how how did you become aware of this? What was it? It isn't necessarily that I became aware of it. It's that I, I learned to do it. I actually went to a school in Cambridge <laughs> that okay. taught me how to channel what, angels. Okay, what kind of a school was that? It's called the School of the Living Light and they teach Reiki and they teach channeling. And right, okay. Yeah. And was it a specific thing for channeling angels or can you channel a variety no, of... No, no, no. They channel all kinds of things. So a lot of people channel spirit guides and some people channel like dead relations mm. and some people channel um, people they don't even know. So you go to these spiritual circles where people are channeling going, here's John and he's got a thing, wants to talk to Mary, but Mary doesn't know who John is. You know, so sometimes it gets very confused. Yeah. Um, so I think for for whatever reason, I specifically wanted to talk to angels because I thought, well, they seem like very benevolent and very um, ethereal and not and not full of like human opinions about things. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Because sometimes, you know, when you go to the spiritual circles, the things they're channeling seem a bit irrelevant. You know, like you should have washed the car last Friday or, <laughs> or, or I did, didn't I tell you you should have or worn that dress and stop wearing blue. It doesn't suit you. Um, so the angels don't really say stuff like that. Mm-hmm. The stuff they say is more, it's more kindly. It makes you feel like there's sort of just a very supportive, very accepting. and But also they seem to help by not ever telling you what to do, but by 
inviting you to look at things you're already doing in a different way. So they might question you about stuff. So it's more like life coaching. Okay. So say, hmm, Give us an example. Well, yeah. And do they do that just for you or do they say, you know, will you say this to Shane or anyone else for that matter in your life? No, they do it. They do it for anyone who asks. So I've, I've done it for other people um, as well as for myself. And sometimes I do it for groups. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, generally speaking, they, their aim seems to be to help you to find the truth for yourself yeah. instead of telling you. Because if somebody tells you what to do, it sort of takes away your, I don't know, your ability to think for yourself. Yeah, and your you own might agency, feel, yeah. Yeah, you feel like, uh, you know, hang on, what about me? Like, you know, don't I have a... <laughs> a say in this. But then again, yeah, but then that's like if, you know, your, your, your friend in the pub says that to you, you might feel that way, but this is an angel. So yes. that's a bit different. I suppose it is. But if, like, okay, so if I specifically said to them, you know, should I drive today or should I walk? Will it be dangerous to drive? They might say, hmm, yeah, we're, we're feeling that maybe it might be better to walk. Uh, so I might sometimes ask for things like that. Yeah. Okay. But usually I, they seem to want to help you to get to the part of you. That's the wise part of you. Because I think we all have it. Like we all have a very wise part mm. of ourselves and we all have a very intuitive part of ourselves. So there's yeah. always, it's in there somewhere. But, they, but presumably they know that people would have questions already or they'd have a sense of what that question is, but yes. probably before it was even asked. Yes, they probably do. And they want to help, I think, for to guide people more than inform them so that they're not dependent on someone else, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah. So that you're, I suppose, going about your life, designing it for yourself rather than doing it like taking um, taking instruction. <laughs> <laughs> I, so okay, I don't know so if that makes any sense. Okay, but but so, okay, I'll give you an example. Yeah, okay. So if I said to them, "I'm thinking about writing a book, and I want you to tell me if it's a good idea," they will probably say to me, "Well, how does it make you feel to think about this? What are you hoping to achieve? What do mm. you want?" So they'll help you to get a bit closer to what you really want, and then help you to go in that direction. So they sort of help you to. It's like a like a radar or a compass or something mm. that's that's set to where you want to go. Right. You know? So, so I, from that then, could I, you infer that, that the angels don't believe there's a set path for your yes, life? That, that there isn't a fate to, or yeah. anything like that? They seem, just... to, they seem to, from what I can gather, they seem to believe that it's, that it's changing all the time. So every decision that you make and every thought that you have is changing your your reality, your future. Right. And do, do you, and as you channel them, is mm-hmm. it one angel? Is it, are you, are you hearing voices or kind of you're sensing, yeah, you're so, intuiting what they're saying? Yeah, I'm intuiting. So I'm like, it's like I'm getting, um, getting, hmm, what's it like? It's like getting dictation, <laughs> you know, taking okay. dictation yeah, yeah. or getting messages that are going into your brain and then coming out. That's the best way I can say it. Okay. Uh, and sometimes they come out verbally, so they'll just, they'll be able to speak through me. Yeah. And, but do you know, like, do you, are, are there individuals, do they have names? Are there are a group of angels? It's a you? group. Yeah. yeah. It's usually a group. I used to channel dead celebrities just for fun, like Princess Diana and John Lennon and um, Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> That's that. You know what? That That's the favorite fun. sentence I'm going to hear today. I used to <laughs> channel dead celebrities just for fun. 
<laughs> I want to get back to the dead celebrities in a minute, but uh, uh, yeah. So uh, well, that was more for fun. Yeah, the, the, but, but the angels, like, are they are they speaking to you simultaneously, yes. or do you normally get one who's like a spokesperson? So it's, yeah. yeah. So they they basically have said to me that they are not an individual because in that realm there aren't personalities and individuals in the same way. Ah. Uh, so they're more collectively conscious. The way humans are sort of evolving to be, you know, they don't really think about an individual's uh, benefit. They think about a group. Right. So they come as a group and they always say we. We think or we, we say or we suggest or we invite. Oh, that's so interesting. And of course, yeah. when people think of angels, at least some people listening might think, you know, this is like the baby Jesus. And is it, are they those kind of angels or is this mm. a different thing? I don't like, to be honest, I actually don't know. <laughs> I have to be straight, straight with you. I was never particularly interested in angels. So I didn't know much about them. And I just said, I like this idea that angels can speak to me. And they said, well, yes, um, you know, the the word angel really just means messenger. So they can be a messenger of anything. Yes. yeah. <laughs> but I was I was saying, look, I want benevolent. I want high vibrational, loving, wise, kind, supportive messengers, please. Yes. So I was quite specific. About okay, what I well, can you get like really negative I guess you ones? could if you wanted to, but I don't want to. Why, why would you? Yeah, I why suppose, would you? But, There's uh, enough of that. Yeah. You don't need okay. that. Okay. But yeah. th- I mean, but again, that implies that, that, that the school you went to, there, there was... They were quite th- specific about that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but then the, an- another plane of existence where all sorts of different sorts of... I'm sure there are. I mean, I did a bit of Ouija board stuff earlier on and that was a bit scary because you might get quite mischievous ones who are malicious. Mm. And who give you messages which are not designed to help you. Gosh. Yeah. I mean, I had a guy once who told me I would never write a novel. <laughs> and, and I just wrote one just to spite him. <laughs> some guy you've never met. Yeah, some guy the- who died in 1917. Gosh. Yeah. So people can then die even a century ago, more than a century ago, and, and still, still be bitter and horrible. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That must be torment for them that they haven't died and and things haven't improved for them exactly yeah they'll have to come back does that mean that if you die and you're a particular sort of person you're you know and and like because i assume that you could be the most negative person in the world and then you die and then you go oh my gosh there is an afterlife there is another plane of existence and that would open your mind and change your personality but it seems like for some people that doesn't that isn't the case yeah i don't pretend to understand that i have no idea how that works yeah and i've never really explored it I guess I haven't had, uh, yeah, it's just not really been my area of interest to explore, you know, what happens when you die. <laughs> God, but they're fascinating uh, questions they to are ask. Fascinating. You should ask. Yes, them, really. you should ask. You should ask. Um, I ask it all the time. Do you? Uh, I'm, I haven't got any answers, oh. really. Right, dead celebrities. Yes. Uh, um, so, uh, John Lennon, for instance, they. they... Yes. So, he only wants to talk about Yoko. He was really, um, again, not, I'm not saying he was angry, but he was a little bit angry about the way Yoko is, is perceived and represented. Mm. And he felt that she'd gotten it. She had, you know, just been maligned and hadn't been respected. And he said, you don't realize how, what a great artist she is and how. And he said he still speaks to her every day. Yeah. That was nice. But it really yeah. felt like him. It was really, that was like a very visceral kind of feeling that he was really there. Yeah. You could almost smell him. And so, so to channel him, did that, does that take a while or, or, or what's the process there? Is there kind of a cosmic 
<laughs> phone number he has. It's like Harry Potter school where, you know, you get trained and trained and trained and eventually you get to that level. Where you can and you can just, just, but you can't even describe how you do it. You just do it. Um, well, it starts with meditation. All of it starts with meditation. Okay. Because you need to get your mind out of the way. So if you can quiet your mind for a good length of time, like more than 20 minutes, then you you leave room. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit like a radio, actually, where you're just you're just tuning in and you're waiting for something to come through, but you're not trying to move the dial to a specific frequency. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just stuff starts coming through. <laughs> and so... So you, you can't be kind of going, oh, God, I have to put the bins out. Uh, no. Those kind of straight thoughts. Well, you can, if you are, then you might have static. So you might have an interruption yeah. of the broadcast. Yeah. So you just want to be very clear, very open, quite serene. Um, I think it helps if you're if you're very relaxed and if your breathing is slow and you're, you know, you're receptive. It's a receptive thing. Yeah. So it's like it being a receiver. <laughs> and you, you mentioned John Lennon. Who else did, uh, did, did you chant? So I did Jimi Hendrix because I was particularly interested at the time in learning to play the guitar and I thought well, who can I ask okay <laughs> who better than Jimmy <laughs> he was explaining that when he played the guitar he saw colors all the time so he said every sound that I play is a color and he said that the scales that people use um the t- classic scales you know whatever they call it mm is um, quite limiting. And he said he was playing notes that were not really in that, couldn't be contained in that. So he was quite technical. And he said, I should go and find someone who could play the guitar for me so that he could transmit through them. But um, Shane wasn't really, I think he probably wasn't awake at the time. (laughs) Bobby Gillespie was sitting there and he had a crash helmet on (laughs) And I said, will you do it? And he said, no, I can't do it. So I, d- I never really got anyone to transmit oh, the stuff. Oh, God. I know, that's yeah. a kind of so, voice. But was that a kind of a, a, but maybe he'll somebody come has back. to do a now kind of job? Maybe he'll yeah. come back. Right. I have been playing the guitar since and I've felt like, hmm, this is kind of experimental. It feels experimental. Okay. But have you have you had that experience, the Jimi Hendrix experience of, of sensing them like, like their colours? So that sounds like synesthesia. It sounds bit. like synesthesia, doesn't it? It yeah. really does, yeah. Yeah. Uh, which often why is a partial explanation why some people are brilliant at doing one thing because they're experiencing it and they're not thinking yeah, D-E-F. Yeah, yeah. It's true. Know? It's yeah. true. I think it's about not being in your head too much. That's yeah. really the important part. Out of your head. Yeah, all the time. <laughs> you oh, God, that was, but you only chatted to Jimi <laughs> Hendrix the once. I only did it once. Yeah. That's silly, isn't it? I should do it again. Were the angels just more interesting? or? or... I think they were just more... Helpful for me, like they were they were really giving me seriously good advice for my life, for everyday stuff. So right. it wasn't just entertainment. It became very important to me. Yeah. The stuff they were telling me. Uh, well, I suppose we should mention uh, uh, Shane's book. Yes. Uh, because yes, that came yes. out during the week. And you yes. were kind of in charge of editing it. Would that be fair enough to say that you were to kind of whittle down? Because it was an enormous yeah. amount of artwork there yeah. you done. So I collected all the material mm. probably over maybe 40 years or however long we were together. <laughs> so every you know, every time he would write something and be throwing it away or just losing it, I'd just collect it and put it away somewhere and keep it. And eventually we had about, I found about 3,000 bits of paper. So some of them were in my mum's attic for like 25 years and some of them were in a shed. You know, they were stored in various locations because we moved a lot. 
Um, but when we put them together, it was, yeah, that was a big task to try and narrow that down. Yeah. Yeah. And w- w- was that, well, first off, did you, did, did you have to talk him into producing a book of his art? Because uh, yeah, no, you do get Vladimir Janicek to kind of yeah, yeah. have a look at this stuff. He's yeah. like a fairly pointy-headed art that critic. Was, he's a very pointy-headed art critic. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's quite harsh, actually, about other people. So I was nervous, but Shane didn't seem to mind the idea. He said, look, it doesn't really matter if he doesn't like it. Who cares? So I sent the stuff to Valdemar and he did like it. And he said it was proper art. I don't know how they decide what's proper art, because to me, anything is art, really. I don't don't know how they have this sort of like, well, that is and that isn't. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But he decided it was, which is good. Okay. And so we were able to get a really great gallery in London to do an exhibition. Right. Okay. Proper, yes, that's right. You did. Proper yeah. posh. Proper posh. Yeah. Did anyone throw mashed potato at any of the no, pieces or like that? Goodness. That's when you get I to know. be proper art. Climate change. When, yeah. When somebody glues themselves yes. to your piece. No, we didn't have anybody gluing themselves. <laughs> <laughs> the process, though, well, the process, I suppose, of, of whittling it down from what were thousands to, yes. to whatever numbers in the it book was, was tough. Was, that was, was tough. It was also did quite you? emotional because oh. I every piece of paper had a lot of sentimental value to me because it was things like love notes that he'd written or um, poems or even just things like dentist appointments. You know, just every piece of paper feels like it's part of his essence to me. So I am very sentimental and romantic. Did you disagree about then what, what pieces to include and what pieces not to include? I didn't know. He didn't argue. He was very like... Do whatever you want. Like I don't care. <laughs> so, so, okay. And, and not, many Very. People, not many people are like that. You know, they're just like oh, I don't care. Oh, I thought you'd be knocking lumps out of each other about it. No, okay. No, right. he really is very. I don't know what's that word. How would you describe someone? Like, That's very going, chilled back. Yeah. Chilled, very yeah. chilled. Uh, so it was more me and um, the people who worked on the book. We had to argue amongst ourselves because I couldn't just be the only voice. I mm. mean, there had to be more objective voices and and so we had an you know and and we had Valdemar who who said well this is rubbish and this is good so he we kind of went a lot by his opinion okay he he narrowed it down for us and said look these are the ones i would do so i said okay that's that's what you would do then that's probably what we'll do okay and the the, the uh, when you had the exhibition were they for sale and did people buy them yeah i mean i didn't really want to sell them again because oh. <laughs> i'm sentimentally attached to them so i didn't want to sell them but the guy who owned the gallery said, well, you know, what's the point of having an exhibition where people can't buy anything? <laughs> well, that is a good point. Why should he bother opening his doors? Bother? Yeah. So he talked me into that and he said, look, you know, we want other people to have these on their wall and you can't just keep them in a box for the rest of your life because, you know, like, yeah, something could happen. So, yeah. So he talked me into that. Okay, oh, yeah. um, so are there then loads more? Just you could have another exhibition could and have more another books exhibition. and all yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, what I'd like to do is make a digital exhibition, a bit like that Van Gogh one that, you know, the immersive one. Mm, yeah. I'd love to do that. That's okay, really that'd be interesting. Can yeah. bl- like blow them up really big so you go into a room and you're in a painting. Now, you're an artist as well, though. Yeah. So it's, it, yeah. your style and Shane's style, how, how, would they, how would you describe the differences or similarities? I think they're, they're very, very... It's more that the subject matter is very different. Um, 
because I seem to only want to paint angels. I don't seem to ever <laughs> paint anything else. We're dragging it back so, to that thing yeah, a lot. <laughs> really, um, I'm kind of stuck on those. And, and I think that for me, like I'm painting them because I want to feel nice. Mm-hmm. And as I'm painting them, I feel really like uplifted by the process. And then I feel kind of safe and held and, you know, it's a nice feeling. They're all very nice. Okay, all right. But so, Shane's stuff is more challenging, so there's a lot of violence, there's a lot of drugs, there's a lot of um, porn, uh, there's a lot of religion, there's a lot... It's very, like, human stuff. It's mm. very, you know, gritty. Yeah. It's very like the songs. It, it's full of brutality and nastiness and, you know, human stuff. yeah. Yeah. So, like, by, by you, anger and rage, yeah. you uh, painting angels and and communing with angels quite yeah. a lot. Like, that, are, are you kind of insulating yourself from nasty stuff? Probably, because you know, yes. you know, it's there. Exactly, we know it's there. So, I think Shane likes to encompass it and embrace it, and really, um, yeah. I mean, he likes he he likes the human experience very much, and he likes humans and the stuff they do, and he doesn't seem to judge them or. You know, he seems to think everything's okay. Yes. <laughs> Whereas I, you know, have struggled with that. And I've often felt that the world is a horrible place to be. Didn't really want to be here. I was like, much rather be in a blissful kind of, you know, another realm where everything's lovely and mm. all floaty and everyone's nice yeah. to each other. So it's it's a challenge to, to embrace yeah. the real world where everyone's not nice to each other. So, but has, would you describe your life so far as being floaty and everyone's being nice to each no, other? No, not. I mean, I'm not saying I go around being nice to everyone. I certainly wouldn't have. As a teenager, I was as rude and hostile as any teenager. And, and gradually I realized that if you're rude and hostile, you tend to get that back. You know, it is mm, quite simple. You yeah. know, so what you're putting out, you quite often do get back. So if you do give a smile... And, you know, let someone else drive, like, you know, get out in traffic or really simple stuff. Be nice to people. It sort of comes back because it makes you, makes them smile back and it makes you feel good that you've, you know, yeah. contributed something a little bit nice to them. Yeah. yeah. Simple and, stuff. Isn't yeah, it? it is simple like stuff. It's, and, it's and ABC. Because like, no, it's my first time meeting you and I was wondering because, I, I you know, I was aware of the fact that you're, you're an artist, you've written books, you're a musician. Um, but probably the first thing people would say was like, that's Mrs. Shane McGowan. And even though you obviously adore Shane, you yes. love him, there's no doubt about that. There's just some small part of you occasionally think, I wish people would just think of me in my own right rather than just being an adjunct to somebody else. Well, in a funny kind of way... I am rather shy and Mm. I feel like I'm happier to shove Shane out in front (laughs) and I'll just be hiding behind the curtain and, um, you know, they can be, they can like praise him or whatever they want, but I'll just be in the background going, "Mm, okay, that's my husband. It's like putting your child on the stage (laughs) and then you, you get to live vicariously and you get some, you know, you get some of the benefits. You okay. get good seats in restaurants or whatever. You do, you do. Yeah, yeah, all that stuff. And you get to meet loads of celebrities. Yeah. Not just dead ones. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Yeah. That's a perceived within you when you're hanging out with celebrities. Can you kind of say, you know what John Lennon said to me yesterday? <laughs> oh, I do. And they don't, I don't, not sure if any of them believe me. I think they think I'm nuts. <laughs> can, actually, can the channeling happen kind of accidentally? Can you just be, you know, sitting on the loo and then suddenly somebody saying something to you? Yeah, I mean, it's very helpful sometimes because I will get a sudden piece of advice, which is a piece of advice. It's like, you know, okay, 
take that left turn there, don't turn right, or, you know, go to that particular shop now or, or something. And it, mm. it has always worked out really well. So I'm, I'm good. I'm quite lucky. Yeah. Yeah. I get good um, instincts. But I don't know if some of the instincts are probably my own. What kind of things have happened then in that way? Well, Could you give us an example? Nice things like, like, for example, just knowing that the guy in London who owns the gallery, Akora um, Sandipa, just being guided to him. And then when I met him, we talked about channeling. We talked about angels. Okay. And it turned out that he knows the guy who runs the studio at the Hill of Tara where I do my angel channeling. He knows him really well. So it's like you get guided to the right people or the right situations. Or It's, Gosh. it's really nice. It's like an angel network. It's almost. like an angel network. Yeah. It yeah. Uh, it was lovely to meet you. Oh, and thanks very much you. for coming uh, in to talk to us today. Uh, Shane's book, by the way, is called The Eternal Buzz and the Crock of Gold. That's available on, on the website. It is on ShaneMcGowan.com. It's on ShaneMcGowan.com. Yeah. Uh, Victoria Mary Clark, thanks a million for coming Thank in. Thank you, Sean to us today. Moncrief. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Weekdays at 2 p.m. on News Talk.